Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. And welcome to episode 13 of the Hang Time with Halligy podcast. I'm your host, Luke Halgerson. You know what it is, five topics. Let's get right into it. Topic number one, I've been doing these over-under picks. We're going to keep it going, and we're going to stick with the last NFC division that I haven't gotten to yet, and it's the most competitive, best division in uh, football, excuse me, and that would be the NFC West. And in that NFC West is the team that lost the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl. We're going to start with the San Francisco 49ers. They went 13-3 last year, and they just re-signed Kyle Shanahan to a big six-year extension. They want him there for the long term, and reasonably so. He's one of the best young coaches in the league. He's been to two Super Bowls, part of the two biggest Super Bowl collapses. But I believe he's a good coach and could definitely win a Super Bowl at some point in his career. And uh, But they got they a tough hill ahead of them. Fourth toughest schedule in the NFL. They got the Eagles. They got the Packers. Obviously, like I said, I think they're in the toughest division, having to play the Seahawks twice, the Rams twice, and the Cardinals twice. And you just look at the rest of their schedule. It's not going to be easy. Like I said, they got the Eagles. They got to go to New England. And even though they lost Tom Brady, Bill Belichick is still a coaching genius. They're still going to be a tough loss. Uh, they're going to be a tough win no matter what. Then they got the Packers. They got to go to New Orleans. They got Buffalo coming to town. They got to go to Dallas. It's not an easy schedule. They're at 10 and a half is their projected. And that's such a good number. Such a good number. Because even 10, 10 wins is still that under. And I, I think that's their, that's their floor is 10, 10 wins. But I'm actually... Gosh, they were, they were so good last year. I think Garoppolo's one of the best QBs in the league. He's definitely top 10 for sure. Like I said, my praise is with Shanahan. I think he's a beast. I think it's a good defense. I think it's a good offense. It's just such a tough schedule. It is really tough schedule because they, they're going to beat each other up in that division. Going to really beat each other up in that division. But to give them five losses... Whew. To give them five losses. I, I can't believe I'm going to have to do this, but I'm actually going to have to take the under because I think they're going to get 10 wins. They just have such a tough schedule. I, I for sure think they'll split against the Seahawks. They could possibly split between the Rams and they could possibly split between the Cardinals. And that doesn't even factor a game in against the Eagles doesn't factor against the game they're going to have against the Packers, doesn't factor in the game they play against the Saints, the Bills, and the Cowboys. (laughs) It's tough. So I'm actually going to take the under. I got them at 10 wins. That's honestly the toughest one of all of them because they're good. They were just in the Super Bowl last year, and I don't see them taking a step back. I see them trying to get right back there. They're bringing a lot of guys back. And usually when you bring back your head coach, starting quarterback, you still got all the defensive pieces. I don't see them taking a step back, but for some reason I just don't see, I don't see them getting 11. Just It's such a tough schedule, so I'm going to go with 10. Give me the under for the 49ers. Second team that I want to get to, Seattle Seahawks. They went 11-5 and last year. Russell Wilson carried this team. 
He's he's absolutely unbelievable. Russell Wilson is for sure a top five quarterback in this league. Debatably, you a lot of guys are saying he's the second best, right behind Mahomes. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that statement. He's absolutely incredible. The things that he does with this limited offense, but I think they're going to get better. I think that the offense will get better. They've added a couple pieces around around him. Pete Carroll is still a good defensive coach. Uh, they're they're at nine. They're at nine, and you know, let's we look at their schedule. Thirteenth toughest start the season. Going to Atlanta, then they got the Patriots, then they got the Cowboys, they play the Vikings, they're at Buffalo, they're at Philadelphia. You know, I just, I believe in Wilson. I believe in Wilson. I'm going to take the over. I'm going to take the over. I feel like nine is a little too low. I just like their matchups a little more. I mean, they play Miami, they play the Patriots, and I know I said they were going to be tough against the 49ers, but, you know, there's still no Tom Brady there. They play the Giants, they play the Jets, they play the Redskins. I think they're good against their division. I'm going to, I'm going to take the over, but again, I think it's just going to be like 10 and they'd be good. They would be really, really happy if they got to 11, I think. But nine, nine seems a bit low, so I'm actually going to take the over for Seattle. I think they're a strong team. And when you got a top three quarterback in the league in Russell Wilson, it's you got to believe if he's healthy, he can get the job done no matter the personnel around him. He managed to get them to 11 wins last year, and they were supposed and they were projected to not be good at all. And Russell Wilson showed that he is an absolute monster out there. So give me the over for the Seahawks. Third team. The Los Angeles Rams. You know, they're going to they're gonna have a new stadium. Too bad no fans will be at it, but God, they, they're a tricky one. You know, they got rid of, of Gurley, but McVay is still there. He's still a good coach, still a good young coach. I know a lot of people are selling him down the river, but they went 9-7 and seven last year. They were out of playoff contention, but they had some nice wins late. They got the 10th toughest schedule, though, so that's not going to be easy. They start the season in Dallas uh, with Dallas coming to town, and then they go to Philadelphia. Then they're still in Buffalo, play the Giants, play the Redskins. They got the four at the 49ers, and they got Chicago at the Dolphins. And they play the Bucks as well. Again, they got that second matchup against the 49ers, and they got Arizona, the Patriots, Jets, Seahawks, and finish season with the Cardinals. That's uh, they're pretty. Win total projected at eight. And I don't know, I, I'm, just not, I'm not sold on Goff. Like I said, I know he was just in the Super Bowl, and you can make the same thing that saying about Garoppolo, but Garoppolo showed that he, he's, he's a winning quarterback everywhere. Showed that in New England. He showed that in his entire time being healthy with the 49ers, that he's a win, starting winning quarterback. With Goff, I, I'm not sold on Goff. I'll tell you that. I, I'm not sold. And, but McVeigh is still a a genius when it comes to offense it just I don't know they, I, they still have Donaldson on the defensive side but and still got Ramsey as well it's just uh, eight 
eight seems like a good number going nine and seven last year, but God, they play the Jets, Dolphins. They could beat the Bears. They got the Redskins. They got the Giants. They got a lot of winnable games here. A lot of winnable games. It honestly just really for all of these teams in this division, it depends on how well they do against their opponents in their division. Like I said, it's the best division in football. It's by far the most competitive. Top to bottom. Top to bottom. I don't think there is a bad team in this division. I, I, think, I really think it is up for grabs that this division, I would say the two top teams are the two top teams from last year, but NFL, you see it a lot of times where a team will go uh, worst to first. It happens all the time, and I've heard the Cardinals are one of the teams that are predicted to make that jump. But with these Rams, eight, I don't want to go push because that seems like a cop-out, but eight seems like their number. I'm I'm actually going to go push on this one. Eight wins seems like the right number. I know they went nine and seven last year, but I don't like it. (laughs) But we're going to go push. We're going to go push with the Rams, and I'm going to live with that choice. And then we got the Cardinals, the final team of the division. They went 5-10-1 last year. Kyler Murray was the... uh, Offensive rookie of the year. He's great. Cliff Kingsbury, you know, I think he's a great offensive mind, but I still think that defense is solid with Patterson still in that um, secondary. It's what do we got here? Eighth toughest schedule, though. They got start the season at the 49ers and they go with the Redskins. They got the Lions. They got the Panthers at the Jets. So there's four or five very winnable games. And then they go to Dallas, then they got Seattle, then they got the Dolphins, and they play Buffalo at Seattle, at New England. Then they got the Rams, then they got the, and then they're at the Giants. Then Philadelphia comes to town. Then they got the 49ers, and then they finish the season in L.A. Their projected win total is seven and a half. You know, I, I do believe the sl- sophomore slump is a real thing, but I think Kyler Murray is very dynamic. You know, with his ability to be able to run, and, and he slings it. He's a guy back there who can sling it. God, seven and a half just seems high, and I don't know. Cliff Kingsbury at this point, you know, in college he wasn't a good defensive coach. I think defense really carries teams in the NFL, and, and I haven't seen him have a good defense ever in his entire time of coaching. I, th- I think they got a lot of potential to be really good, but they just have a lot of they have a lot of winnable games. But at the same time, I could see them dropping a game to a Carolina, to the Jets, to the Dolphins, to New England, to the Giants. I could see them dropping those games, and that's not even including them them playing the Eagles, 49ers twice, Seahawks twice, the Bills, the Cowboys. I'm going to take the under, but I think it's just going to be just under. I think they're going to get seven wins. They're going to improve, but I'm going to take the under on the seven and a half. So run it back down. I'm going to take the under for the 49ers. I'm going to, I think I'm going to regret that one the most. And then Seahawks are going to take the over at nine. And then with the Rams, another one. I feel like I'm copping out saying that it's going to be a push at eight, but that's where I feel like they're at. 
And then uh, Cardinals seven and a half. I'm going to take the under. I know I said it's the best division and I'm kind of sleeping on the teams, but that's just, I think they're going to beat up on each other and they got tough games. They're in a tough division. They're in a very tough division. So I think for sure this is the toughest division to judge because the teams are so talented. The teams are so good. Each one of these teams is a contender to make the playoffs. And I wouldn't be shocked if any of them make the playoffs, to be perfectly honest with you. I believe every one of these teams could make the playoffs. So I'm happy to be proven wrong by any of these teams, and I don't feel bad about my picks at this point if I'm proven wrong. So moving on, topic number two that I want to get to finally. Finally, baseball. You know, it it was rocky throughout the day of hearing that the Players Union uh, Executive Board rejected the MLB's latest proposal of 60 games. They wanted 70 games. It was rejected 33-5, to but... At this point, Mr. Rob Manfred is just going to impose a 2020 season after failing to strike a deal. And that's what he should do. At this point, you just need to be like, all right, we're declaring a season. And that's exactly what's going to happen. So good for Rob Manfred. Players have till tomorrow at 5 p.m. to decide. They, They have to. They just have to. They have to. This is something that they agreed upon early back on March 26th in the agreement that the commissioner can just declare a game. And that's what he has to do. Because we're getting late in July. We're sitting here and it's what it, uh, late in July, excuse me. It's June 22nd. And they're not even going to be able to report probably till the middle of July. I'm seeing the report here, though, is that they're trying to get them to report as soon as July 1st. Um, that, that's shocking to me. That's pretty much the beginning of next week is for them to come back. And here's the league statement on what they're deciding to do with the players 24 hour deadline. So today, the Major League Baseball Players Association informed us that they have rejected the agreement framework developed by Commissioner Manfred and Tony Clark. Needless to say, we are disappointed by this development. The framework provided an opportunity for MLB and its players to work together to confront the difficulties and challenges presented by the pandemic. It gave our fans the chance to see an exciting new postseason format, and it offered players significant benefits, including the universal DH for two years, a guaranteed $25 million in playoff pools in 2020, $33 million for forgiven salaries advanced that would increase the take-home pay of 61% of Major League players, overall earning of players of 104% of prorated salary, over the last two days, MLB agreed to remove expanded postseason uh, in 2021 in order to address players' concern. In the view of this rejection, the MLB clubs have unanimously, unanimously voted to proceed with the 2020 season under the terms of the March 26 agreement. The provision listed above will not be operative. In order to produce a schedule with a specific number of games, we are asking the Players Association to provide us by 5 p.m. Eastern time tomorrow with two pieces of information. The first is whether players will be able to report to camp within seven days. 
by July 21st. The second is whether the Players Association will agree on the operation manual, which contains the health and safety protocols necessary to give us the best opportunity to conduct and complete our regular season and postseason. So I already like a lot of things. First of all, expanded playoffs is absolutely necessary if we're going to have this short of season with only 60 games. I know the players want 70, but either way, if it were to go that way, it's going to be 60 and we need extended playoffs and I'm more than okay with that. Second rule, and I'm absolutely obsessed with that I've talked about before, universal DH. Like I said, I'm really tired of pitchers going up, batting 100 and not being able to get on base and all this and all that. I understand there's strategy to it. There's a lot that can go into it, but no, absolutely not. We should have the best hitters possible going up to the plate every time. And that's why Universal DH, next two seasons, 2020-2021, absolutely love it. They're getting their money. They're getting their full prorated salaries that they agreed to. Like, are we really fighting over 10 games? I've been on the player's side this entire time. They need their full prorated salaries. It's what the MLB and they agreed to back in March on March 26th. The players need their full prorated salary. The owners are finally agreeing to that, and the players denied it. The players denied it for because of 10 games. 10 games, we're really going to this level just for 10 games. Agree to a deal. Do what needs to be done, baseball. And this goes for the Players Association. Get, a, get it done. What's the difference between 10 games? Three series? Three series. You get two three-game series and a four-game series. That's what we're arguing about? No. No. Absolutely ridiculous. Just agree. Just agree to the 60 games. You get your full prorated salaries. I understand if guys are concerned with health and safety, but this at this point, with all the information we got, it's literally over 10 games. Just do it. Just accept the deal. And I, I just got a report on my phone that said it, the MLPA is expected to vote yes. There is strong expectation that the players' union will approve MLB's proposal, proposed plan to return. That's exactly what I want to hear. I want to hear that they're going to play. And if they're reporting by July 1st, that means we could probably see games in two weeks, like July 15th, July 19th, that time frame. They get two weeks to warm up. Boom. In the summer, we're getting baseball, as we should. Honestly, it should have already been in play that we were supposed to get baseball. I understand they're closing some facilities uh, due to the coronavirus and players getting it uh, over here in my home state of Florida, over in Tampa with the Phillies, uh, it, Clearwater facility and the Dunedin for the Toronto Blue Jays facility. So uh, I understand the concern, but it's, it's time to get back to baseball. As long as we can keep these guys healthy and safe, that's the biggest thing. That's the biggest thing. You need them to be healthy. But at this point, they've agreed to the right amount of games. We're going to get to this point. Extended playoffs, the right rules. Like, let's get this going. Let's get this going. It's going to be approved, and we're going to get baseball this year. And I don't know why people have been so pessimistic about it. I firmly believe that we were going to play baseball no matter what. If all these other sports have come up with a plan and are going to make it happen, I don't understand how baseball could be the one that's going to be like, no, we can't do it. We can't get this done. I didn't believe it for a second. So we're going to get baseball. 
I'm very excited for it. Uh, I've been missing it all summer already. So finally, thanks for doing the right thing, baseball. Thank you, baseball. Topic number three that I want to get to. With the NBA coming up on us quick, guys have two days to opt out if they want to play or not. And, uh, they're still, and they still have opportunity to sign guys. The league is allowing players to get signed as they've expanded the rosters uh, a little bit out. Instead of 15-man rosters, they're going to have 17-man rosters. And there are some guys out there who I really do think can help a playoff team. I'm going to go down with uh, five guys that I think could help a playoff team. Um, chances of advancing in the postseason, or even if it's a super title contender like the Lakers, Clippers, Bucks. I think those are the three, but at this point, anything could happen now. We don't know how the games are going to go. We could be up for the dramatics right now uh, with this much time off, guys being healthy. You know, the Rockets are a big sleeper. Uh, Boston could be dangerous. Toronto, the defending champs could be dangerous. Philly could be dangerous. There's just there's a lot of teams, a lot of teams that have potential. A lot of teams that have potential. You never know what could happen. But anyways, we're going to get to the five guys that I think that could really help teams. The first guy that I think, frankly, I don't know how he's not on a roster. I understand the injury concern. But uh, one Mr. Isaiah Thomas. Look, the guy is an automatic scorer. I know he has his limitations on defense because of his size. Um, but he can still play. He can still play in this league. He's a two-time All-Star. You know, he's bounced around the league from the Kyrie Irving deal that got him out of Cleveland. The With the Cavs, it didn't work at all. It wasn't going to work between him and LeBron. You know, that's unfortunate. But he for sure deserves to be in the league. He was just in Washington earlier this year. For whatever reason, they jumped ship on him. I. Uh, I believe he was averaging, what, 12 points a game. He was actually doing pretty solid for them. Uh, I, I think he should be in the league. I think he can help a team instant offense off the bench. You know, he can lead that second team, give you that scoring punch you need uh, when your starters go to the bench. He, he's a guy that can be really dangerous for a team uh, come the postseason. Now, how his health is? I'm not sure. I know there was a tweet today that I saw by him of someone saying uh, the Boston Celtics should sign him. And he said, no, any team, any team should sign me. So I love that he wants to play. It's what he wants to do. Uh, He was waived back in February as part of a three-team deal um, that sent him to the Clippers. Clippers didn't want him. You know, his stat line wasn't terrible. Shot 41% from the field, 41% from the three, 82% from the free throw line, averaged 3.7 assists a game. You know, it's it's just the defense. But he's shown flashes that he can still be that dynamic store. He can still give you he can still give you 12, 15 points a game. And you want that off your bench. I understand you might be giving up some points too, but in limited time, with that scoring burst, I think he's worth signing. Second guy. I don't know how this guy has gone so long with not being signed. J.R. Smith. I know he has one of the biggest blunders in sports in the NBA of not, you know, calling timeout, not putting up a shot when he got that offensive rebound. 
in the NBA Finals. I'm sure that's a big reason why a team hasn't signed him for whatever reason. But J.R. Smith has won a championship. He's shown that he's an in, he can be an integral part to a championship team. He knows his role. He's a 3 and D guy. He can play good defense. He can knock down the three ball. And that's what he does. <laughs> that's the kind of player he is. He showed he can coexist along a superstar like LeBron James. So a, a team like Milwaukee could use his services. The Lakers could use his services. There's a few teams uh, I think he would even be a good fit in Toronto. I th- I honestly think the 76ers should consider signing him because they have no outside shooting. And he ranks 13th all-time in three-pointers made. He converts three-pointers at a 37% clip. And I get it. That, that blunder in game one of the NBA Finals is huge. It's a huge blunder. But... Two years before, he was an integral part of a championship team. He should be in the game. He should be playing. And I know he hasn't played since the 2018-19 season when he played 11 games and then the Cavs told him to uh, paid him to stay away. Uh, You know, that's just Cleveland. They wanted to give time to Darius Garland. I get that. But the guy should be competing uh, night in and night out. I think he should get signed and I think he can be an instant help to a team, just like an Isaiah Thomas. He can give you 10 points a night, knock down some threes, play good defense, and he's a, he's a very streaky guy. He could get hot, maybe give you 20 in a game. You never know. He's just as healthy as all these other guys. He's waiting for his opportunity. If anything, he's going to play with a chip on his shoulder and show that he can still get the job done. The third guy that uh, I'm hearing rumors that he's going to get signed. I'm surprised he hasn't been signed already. Iman Schubert. Um, the reports are that uh, that he he's open to playing for the Thunder um, if he gets the invite to Orlando. I think that'd be a good fit for him. You know, they need they're a young team with Chris Paul on it who could use a savvy veteran, a three and D guy. You know, he helped Cleveland go to four straight NBA Finals. He was starting in some of those final games in 2015 when Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love were out. You know, he spent some time with Houston, who's, and he was part of their playoff rotation. Yeah, I know he only averaged 3.6 points in Houston, play, only played 13 minutes in eight playoff games. It, you know, he doesn't have the same defensive impact that he had with uh, the Knicks and Cleveland. But, you know, that's because of injuries. He's gotten a little older. You know, he played for the Nets last. They didn't need him. They had, uh, they had Levert just... He should be in the league. He, he should be a guy who should be out there. Um, you know, I, I believe he can still get the job done. He's only 30 years, you know, soon to be 30. Um, I still think he has enough left in the tank to contribute to a playoff team. He's got championship experience. Uh, I don't know. I, I believe in players that have played with LeBron James and won a championship because LeBron can bring the most out of those kind of guys. And it, with, the right, with the right teammates, it, he can get the job done. You know, Milwaukee could be a good fit for him. I think the Thunder are a great fit for him. It just, we'll see. I I think at this point he would be a good fit with Portland too because Trevor Ariza uh, unfortunately won't be making the trip to Orlando, but that's because of personal reasons. So uh, he's got options, and I I think he's another guy who could be really impactful. Fourth guy. 
that, um, you know, this is kind of a guy who I, I'm shocked isn't already in the league. Gerald Green. He's, he's still athletic. He's still shown that he can knock down the three ball when he was playing with Houston. You know, he fit well into their rotation. I'm surprised he isn't even on Houston. You know, he shot 40% from the field, 35% from three, 82% from the free throw line, averaged nine points a game in his time with Miami, Boston, and Houston from 2015 to 2019. Uh, he's still got length. He's still got nine fingers. <laughs> You know, I think he, you know, he broke his left foot in 2019 preseason and never suited up for the Rockets uh, this past season and uh, dealt his contract um, to get Robert Covington. And uh, that sent him to the Nuggets. They waived him. He hasn't played since the 2019 playoffs, but I think he's fully healthy. And I, I like three and D guys because that's what this league is. You need a guy who can knock down the three ball and then can play defense on the other end. He's shown that he can do that in a system that lives by the three and dies by the three in Houston. I know he's a little older, 34, but I, I think he's shown that he's gotten to the playoffs with playoff teams and has shown that he can contribute. Uh, I like his game. Uh, you know, he, he should be on a team. He should be on a team, and he can help a team. You know, all of these guys, you know, bench scores. I don't expect any of these guys to come in and start for a particular team, but they can definitely contribute to the bench scoring, and that's what you need. You need guys who can come off the bench and help out your starters uh, when they take a seat. So he's another guy that can do that. The fifth guy, my favorite guy on this list, DeMarcus Cousins. I've always been a believer in DeMarcus Cousins. People have always not liked him. People have complained about him when he was in Sacramento. I loved when he went to the Pelicans, played with Anthony Davis, and he unfortunately got hurt um, due to a, a series of, of uh, what he hurt, his quad when he was with the Pelicans, right when they were about to make a playoff run. And then he got hurt the, the next year with Golden State, tore his Achilles. Still a four-time All-Star. You know, he was in the finals last year with Golden State, and he he did what he was supposed to do. He came in, got the job done. I know he played with some really good players like Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, but I, I'm just such a believer in DeMarcus Cousins. I've always liked who he was. Always liked his get-after-it-no-matter-what mentality. People might call it being a bully, but no, he he's a beast. He's a monster. When healthy, he was one of the best centers in the league. No question. No question. With his ability to go 25 and 12 and give you four assists, he could run the floor. God, I just remember DeMarcus Cousins' old highlights, and it just – I'm so upset that he had to get, had to run into the injury bug throughout his career. You know, he was going to he was signed with the Lakers and you know, he just had the ACL tear while wearing the purple and gold. It just God, I just feel so bad for him that I just he's one of those guys I really want to see succeed in the NBA. Like there are a few players that I really just have felt bad for and want them to be great and do better. He's one of them. He's one of the guys that I hope can one day show that he can kind of stay healthy and be an integral role player. His days of being an all-star are behind him because he's had too many injuries, but as long as he could play limited minutes, it kind of be like what Dwight Howard is for the Lakers right now. You know, 
maybe not necessarily that rim protector, but go out there, get rebounds. Go out there, give me 10, 12 points a night off maybe 15, 20 minutes at the most. Just be that really solid role player off the bench. Maybe put him in that starting lineup from time to time, but like I said, limit his minutes so he stays healthy. Just, I think he could really help a team. And uh, who, who he could help, you know, I would love to see him stay on the Lakers so he can win a championship because I think the Lakers are going to win. But we'll get to that once the uh, NBA season gets started and I start giving out those picks. But the Lakers are my early pick to win. So, uh, you know, I know John Wall has been pushing the Wizards to sign him. You know, just to play eight games with them I think would be great for his morale that he got the invite to Orlando. Just... I've won him in the league. I want to see DeMarcus Cousins be a boss again. I, I, he'll never be back to that all-star. Yeah, I wish he would, but the injuries have plagued him. But I really think he can be a solid role player and help a team out that way. So those are my five guys. Isaiah Thomas, J.R. Smith, Iman Shumpert, Gerald Green, and DeMarcus Cousins. I believe all of them can help a playoff team or even a championship team uh, greater their championship odds. Now, how much it graters it? Pfft couple percentage points maybe at the most but that's when it comes to drastic situations like this that's what you need you need a guy who can just come in and help your team in any way possible and I think all the all five of these team all five of those guys can help a number of teams be successful uh when the NBA comes to Orlando so uh topic number four yeah, the NFL, Roger Goodell spoke and said that he wants Colin Kaepernick back in the league and says he encourages a team to sign Colin Kaepernick. With that being said, I'm gonna run, I firmly believe Cap is, should be in the league. I went over this on the last episode of the podcast. But now I want to talk about the teams that should consider signing them. And I like to do things in five. So we're just going to go five teams that I think should sign Cap. Number one, <laughs> Oh, I I just can't stop talking about my Chicago Bears. At any point, I just want them to improve. Frankly, I would rather have them sign Cam Newton over Kaepernick at this point. But but I also want to see Cap in the league. And I think a dynamic player like him with his ability to throw and run, I would much rather have him over Trubisky and much rather have him over Foles. And I've been over why. I'm not a believer in Trubisky. I've never seen Foles be good away from Philadelphia. And I know Foles has won a Super Bowl as the backup quarterback, but I'd rather have a guy who's dynamic like Kaepernick. He's only 32 years old. Remember, he still has the playoff rushing record for a quarterback in yards in that incredible game against the Packers. He's shown he can carry a team. I know you could say the same thing about Foles, but I I just don't believe in Foles. I really don't believe in Foles. I think he'd be good with the Bears. I think he'd be really solid for them. And frankly, I, I just I can't live with Trubisky any longer. I, I really can't. I really can't. I think Foles, even if they don't sign Kaepernick, Foles is going to win the starting job. And uh, I don't believe in Nick Foles either. I, I just don't. So uh, that's sad to say. I believe in Kaepernick, who hasn't played in three years over two guys that have been in the league for three years. I, that might be baffling to some of you, but I just can't wrap my head around Trubisky and Foles being the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears when our defense is so dominant. And Kaepernick's shown he can be great with a dominant defense. 
He's shown he can be great. He could help us a lot more. Second team I think he would be good for, Tennessee Titans. And I, I know they were just in the AFC Championship game last year, but the reason I think he would be good with the Titans is, frankly, I, I don't think Kaepernick at this point is going to be handed an offense. I don't think a team is just going to be willing to sign him to be the starting quarterback day one that he comes into the building. I, I just don't see a team doing that. I think he's going to have to come in, earn his spot, earn his worth, show what he can do. And I think a good place for him to do that would be Tennessee. Ryan Tannehill has had injury concerns his entire career. Last year was the first year he's really managed to stay healthy. His entire time that he was with the Dolphins hurt, always hurt, always had knee issues. And I know they just signed him to a nice little extension, but you need some insurance. You need some insurance now at the most premium position. Their backup quarterback, Logan Woodside. I don't know who that is. They also got Cole McDonald. Who? I don't know who that is either. Those are the backups to Ryan Tannehill. Like I said, this team was just in the AFC Championship game last year. Whether that was by fluke, Derrick Henry's one of the best running backs in the league. They still got a great defense. I like their coach in Vrabel. It's they got to be in Super Bowl win, Super Bowl or bus mode after what they did last year. They got to believe that they're one of the contenders for the Super Bowl. So why not put some insurance with your team and get a solid backup quarterback? And he's kind of like Tannehill. He, Tannehill can be a little dynamic. Tannehill can move a little bit. He makes the right throws. I think Kaepernick can do just that if Tannehill were to go down. And you never know. Maybe Kaepernick could even beat out Tannehill if he has a good season and can prove he can be solid with the starting, with the starters. I would like him to be in Tennessee because I think he could help. I really think he could be good for a team come playoff time. I really do. And why not sure up that quarterback depth? Tennessee, that's a team that I want to see him go to. The third team is your reigning Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, I know they got Patrick Mahomes. Like I said, I think he needs to come in and earn his spot. But what better place to learn than Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, be dynamic. And it just goes to, I look at how bad the backup is. Chad Henney. Oh, talk about a Michigan alum quarterback. Definition right there. I know Tom Brady's kind of the outlier. You got right here, Chad Henney. Mm, mm, mm. I don't think so. Give, give me cap over him. I think it'd be a great place for him to learn. Mahomes, you know, last year might have been a fluke with the ankle injury, but he did get hurt. He did go down for a little bit. So uh, I know you never want to assume a guy is going to get hurt. You never want to put that bad juju on a guy. But just as a little insurance, why not put it, bring in a serviceable backup who can be better than serviceable, who has potential s- starter on him in cap? And what better place for him to learn after being out of the league for three years than Andy Reid, one of the best offensive minds there is. From what he would learn from that, playing behind Mahomes, possibly being able to come in if Mahomes got hurt, I think it'd be a good situation for him. Frankly, it'd be the best offense to learn, best offensive football. What would be better than that for him? Fourth team. A team that actually brought him in for a workout but didn't sign him, 
the Seattle Seahawks. I think they should sign him. And once again, I think they're a Super Bowl contender who could use a backup quarterback. As of right now, it's Russell Wilson and then Geno Smith. I was very high on Geno Smith when he came out of the draft, but he has not shown that he can be anything decent when it comes to stepping on the football field, playing meaningful time. He just, he just can't. Whereas I've seen Kaepernick go to a Super Bowl. I've seen him win playoff games. And put him behind Russell Wilson. And this just, really, these teams, he's just got to go in and he's got to prove his worth. He's got to show that he can maybe sit behind for a year, learn, show that he can be successful in possibly games that he could come in as the backup and show that he can be, that he can still play this game. I think he can still play the game, but at a high level, that remains to be seen. And it would be good for him to go to a championship contender for if he needs to play potentially important football to give him the opportunity to do that. So, and I think the Seahawks would be a good place. Frankly, I just want insurance for Russell Wilson. He's small. It's not, not a knock on him. It's just, it, it is what it is. I've already sang his praises earlier in the podcast. I think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I just want a little insurance for my best quarterback. I just want a little insurance to be able to help, help him out. What if he does go down? He's small. He's been sacked a lot. You know, he does make smart decisions when he runs uh, to not take the big hit, but it's a dangerous game. It's a violent game. I want to take a little insurance. I think they should have signed him in the first place, Um, but he needs to be signed. And I I think the Seahawks would be a good spot for him. It'd be a good place to learn. Another dynamic quarterback behind another dynamic quarterback. Makes a lot of sense to me. And... The final team, now, I, I've looked at the odds, and I know the Jaguars are the favorite to sign him. But I feel like the Jaguars want to be bad. So I feel like they're going to give the offense to Gardner Minshew again. Nothing against Minshew. He had a decent, you know, rookie year. But I'm actually going to go with a team that just drafted a quarterback in the Los Angeles Chargers. Frankly, I think they just need something to generate some spice about their team. They're going to be on hard knocks, but they're going to double up with the Rams on that. So that'll be interesting to see how that's going to work. And I think the reason that I'm sure they chose the Chargers and they were like, well, we can't just do the Chargers. They have no fans. They have no fan base. We need to grow the fan base. So we at least need to put a team that has a fan base alongside them. Why not put the two L.A. teams that are going to get the new stadium? So makes sense to me. But you got Tyrod Taylor and Justin Herbert. Is Justin Herbert ready to start? You would think. You would think with him, um, you know, being a first-round pick, he was, what, the sixth overall pick behind Tua. You would think he would come in and start. If you're drafted that high, I would think a team would expect you to come in to start. But the coach of the Chargers has been adamant that, you know, why wouldn't we bring in Kaepernick for a workout? Why wouldn't we at least look at him? And why not make the guy work for it? Why not make the guy earn the job? And that goes for everyone. Why not make Herbert earn the job? Why not make Taylor earn the job? Why not make Kaepernick earn the job? Why don't you prove that you can get it done? Why don't you prove that you can make it happen? It would make a lot of sense to me for the Chargers to bring him in. 
And frankly, it would bring spice to the organization. It would give them media coverage, a lot of necessary media coverage. It would give them a lot of fans. Yeah, give them a lot of haters. They already have a lot of haters. They're the Chargers. So if anything, good pu- any publicity for the Chargers is good publicity. And I think it would be great. The, the year they're on hard knocks, they happen to have Kaepernick too. I, I think it would be a great setup for them. And I think it would give Kaepernick a chance to shine because he could possibly win that starting job. You know, Herbert is a project. Tyrod Taylor is what he is. Uh, Yeah, I like him more as a backup than my actual starter, but I think he's solid. You got the right guys around him. And they got a good team. Chargers are a solid team. You bring in the right quarterback, they can make something happen. They can be really dangerous. So uh, those are the five teams. And I am going to throw a six team out there. I'm not going to spend too much time on him, but I I think the Texans, another team, uh, look, you need quarterback depth. Deshaun Watson, another dynamic, athletic guy who can move but slings it. You know, it would be a good offense for Kaepernick to learn behind. And Deshaun, you know, a little injury scare. You know, he sometimes gets a little, does a little too much with his feet, can take a big hit every now and again. Their backup quarterbacks, A.J. McCarron. Uh, frankly, I would like him just to play in an offensive scheme that already has a pretty dynamic quarterback and allow him to learn from that kind of offense. That just makes the most sense for him to be successful like that. So uh, that's that's the, the sixth man of teams that I would like, the Houston Texans. So to run it down, Bears, Titans, Chiefs, Seahawks, Chargers, last team, boom, Texans. And then final topic. So like I said earlier, the NBA, guys have until the 24th of June to decide whether they're going to play or not. I mentioned Trevor Ariza is not going to play for personal reasons, but his personal re- reasons are he's going through a custody battle with his wife over his kid, and the time frame that he has to see his kid is during the time, is a month while the players, while the NBA is coming back. What's he going to do? He's going to choose his family. And I I got nothing but respect for that decision. That makes a lot of sense. That's wanting to spend time with your kid. You can't blame him for that. But there's a player that I want to talk about more than Trevor Ariza. And that's Bertans. Bertans, Bertans, Bertans. Davis Bertans. Oh, boy. Um, wow. Just... He he won't play. He plays for the Wizards. Now, I know the Wizards probably are not going to make the playoffs in the East. I don't see them catching the Nets or Orlando. But to not play, to not even go, I, he's a free agent next year. He's had a career year. He's averaged 16 points a game, shown he can be a sharpshooter. And the reason I feel this way is probably because of another tweet that I saw by Evan Fournier. Evan Fournier kind of called him out and said, it says a lot about who you are to not go to Orlando and play if you're healthy. If Injury is one thing. If you're maybe coming off of surgery and or maybe were hurt all season, I understand that. The injury concern would be there. You don't want to take the chance of maybe re-aggravating an injury. But I would also think that guys would want to play. You know, it's your profession. It's what you want to do. And even if you're you're in playoff contention, you have a chance. Why wouldn't you try and put your team in the best opportunity to play? And Bertans is like, nah, I'm staying home. I'm not playing. So I got to call him out. It, I know you're in a contract year, but why wouldn't you go play? You get to play eight games of basketball. This is your profession. This is what you should want to do. The only reason he's not playing 
is he doesn't expect to be back with the Wizards next year. And at this point, they're not going to sign him. How could you? He's not willing to go to, to the team with Orlando. It's, he should be embarrassed. I understand he's in a contract year. Maybe he doesn't want to take the chance of getting hurt to then not getting signed next year. I can understand that a little bit, but this is your job. It's your profession. Shouldn't you want to play? I think I agree with Fournier on this. It says a lot about you if you're not willing to go down and play. The NBA is going to do everything they can to keep you safe and to give you the most enjoyable time you can possibly have while being in this Disney bubble at these Disney resorts. They're going to do everything they can. And if you're just going to be down there for eight games in a training camp and you don't think you're going to make the playoffs, all right. But you at least got to show that you want to be there, that you want to fight for a playoff spot, that you want to go out there and get the job done. As a competitor, I think alone you would just want to be there. God, I already named five guys that are dying to get back in the league. And this guy is willing to sit out. I have no respect for that. I, I got no respect. I, I understand it, but I don't respect it. I don't respect the decision for him to sit out and not play. I think it just speaks a lot about who he is and that he really only cares about what he's trying to do as far as make money for himself. And, you you know, I'm okay with being selfish. Get your money, you know. But it just says a lot that you're not even willing to try and put yourself in playoff contention, fight for a playoff spot with the guys you've gone to battle with all year. The NBA has given you a chance to make the playoffs. Show your real worth by going to earn that playoff spot, by trying to catch Orlando or the Brooklyn Nets. Go do it. But nope, I'm going to stay home. And I'm sure injury is the thing. I'm sure he's like, I'm not taking the chance of going to get hurt. But you take that chance with every season. What if he gets signed to a big contract and then gets hurt? It's just, it's the same thing. But then I guess he'll have his money. So... Uh, I see the logic, but it ju- I think it just really speaks volumes on the kind of guy he is to not be willing to go down and try and compete for a playoff spot. The Wizards have no chance of winning the NBA title. I get that. But where is he going to end up next year? Probably somewhere else that he's just going to be completing for a playoff spot. So, mm, Bertans, you struck a chord. Go play. Mm-mm-mm. I'm sure there will be more guys. And I don't just mean to call guys out. Look, I understand. You know, if it's social justice reasons that you still want to be able to go to rallies and do things like that and protest, I get it. But he's white. He's not doing that. He's not going out in the streets to protest. He's just not playing because he doesn't, he doesn't want to compete. He doesn't want to go compete. That's really what it is. He doesn't want to go compete. So it's a shame. It's a shame. I understand the line of thinking, but he should be ashamed. If you have any chance to go play, you should want to go play, and you should get on the court. So that was the final topic. And now for the everlasting unpopular opinion. Now this one, I get, you know, this one is a little interesting. So I'm just going to say it right here. The NFL is overrated. Now, I do like the NFL. 
I watch the NFL. I indulge in the NFL. I play fantasy football every year. Always talking about the Thursday night game, the Sunday night game, the Monday night game. I always do little bets with my friends on what's going to happen in the season. You know, I'm always talking about football. You know, there's a reason it's the most viewed sport. I think fantasy football helps that a lot to make a game against the Raiders and Jaguars interesting. Like fantasy football helps when you got a guy like Leonard Fournette as your running back and you're like, okay, this game matters because I can win my fantasy football game. So I think fantasy football really helps the NFL in that way. But God, when, when I'm watching the NFL, like I got to tell you, I can skip games. I'm okay missing a game. And this is just me personally. I, there seems to be a lot of – this is my major complaint with the NFL and why I think it's overrated. There's a lot of downtime. There is a lot of downtime when it comes to NFL games. There's just a lot of time between the action. And it got me thinking. I, I know I'm not crazy in thinking this and seeing it. When it comes to game action, there's only 18 minutes of actual game action. And that's literally when the quarterback yells hike and the play happens. Only 18 minutes. Think about how long an NFL game is and you have to sit there and watch it. Three hours, maybe three hours and 30 minutes. Sunday night games take forever. Those Thursday night games are a drag if they're bad teams. The Monday night games are even worse than the Thursday night games. And, you know, I understand why give the teams their – every team needs to play on Thursday night and Monday night. I understand you're doing that. It's great. But, God, 18 minutes of action? That's less than Major League Baseball, which apparently is boring. That's less time. There is so, so much clock stoppage. And just, I feel like I'm watching a beer commercial every other second and a car commercial in an NFL game. It's just a long affair. It takes so long. And when you think about it, it shouldn't take that long. There's a running clock. They don't, they keep the clock moving for first downs. I think it's even longer with college football. But that, that's why I think it's overrated. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I like the NFL. I understand why it's high ratings because when plays happen, you know, there's big hits. There's one-handed catches. Guys are juking guys out of their shoes. You know, they're absolutely unbelievable plays. But there's just so many stops. And going to a game, it's even worse because at least when I'm at home, you know, I can go to the fridge when there's a commercial. I can go get some food. Yeah, I'm okay missing a chunk of the game by running down to Burger King and go getting a burger. Like, I'm okay with that. And I come back and I felt like I didn't miss anything because I'm sure they were just doing commercials and only a couple minutes has ticked off the clock. Broadcast lasts over three hours. And there's usually, what, like 18 separate commercial breaks? that take up like 45 minutes you're watching you're watching more commercials than the actual game than the actual game time you're watching more commercials it's nauseating and then you got the the two minute warning at the end of the second and fourth quarter you got halftime it just 
I, and, and this is the thing. I th- that's the only reason I think it's overrated. We ridicule baseball for having an issue of, you know, not a lot of game action. The NFL, it's even worse. There's even less game action in the NFL. Games take forever, which is why I'm a big fan of basketball. Constant action. Guys running up and down the floor. The ball's always moving. Everything like that. Soccer, constant action. Soccer has the most. NHL, constant action. Rarely do you see timeouts. Rarely do you see stoppages other than, you know, the occasional fight. You know, yeah, guys got to go over to the box for slashing or, you know, something like that. But they get right back to chasing that puck. They get right back to it. But the NFL, God, I just feel like I'm watching so many commercials. Um, there's so much stoppage. It's, I, I hate to ridicule it because I'm actually, I do like the NFL. But I, it, I really, if I don't have a guy on my fantasy team or it's not one of my favorite teams that, of your Chicago Bears, I, I have a hard time watching the, the Los Angeles Rams take on, you name it. The, the Colts, I don't think I'm watching that game. I, I can't sit there and watch it. Now, the NBA is a little different. I, I could watch, you know, the, the Suns play the Bobcats and be like, oh, here we go, Devin Booker time. Let's see what Terry Rozier is going to do. See what these young Hornets got. See what all their young boys got. Like, I get enjoyment out of that. I can watch the Kings play the Wizards and be excited for the game. and be, Oh, what's De'Aaron Fox going to do? What's Bradley Beal going to do? But with these NFL games, I'm, I'm just like, God, I'm just watching commercials the whole time. And I'm sure that's a big part of why they make so much money in the NFL is because there are so many commercial breaks and they can pay so much for the advertising revenue. Like, it makes sense. It makes it, But it just, even like the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl does go by a little faster because then the commercials are actually enjoyable. You know, you got the halftime show that's actually worth watching, especially when we got J-Lo and Shakira out there. Like, yeah, that's a spectacle to behold. And, but God, some of these just regular season games, they're very hard to watch. Even some of these playoff games, it's just, whew, I'm falling, I'm falling asleep with all the stoppages that we have to get with. So I don't want to disrespect the NFL too much because I play fantasy football. I talk about the NFL. Uh, I, I do enjoy it. But it is a bit overrated in the aspect that there is not a lot of action. There's a lot of clock stoppages. And frankly, uh, it's nauseating sometimes. And on that, that is the end of episode 13 of Hang Time with Algie. Thanks for listening. Episodes are going to keep coming, I promise. You know, stay tuned for more. Until next time, I'm out. But remember, during this pandemic, wash your damn hands. All right, peace.